Chris Stoner is the owner of Baltimore Sports and Life. BSL is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. Other parts of BSL include the networking events Baltimore Metro Business Development, BMBD, the Business Development Group Paysetters, and the site Baltimore 2029, which aims to celebrate the best of Charm City as Baltimore nears its 300th anniversary. This show will be utilized for discussion on sports and Baltimore as a whole. Discuss the show at the BSL message board and check out the other BSL radio offerings. Welcome into the Chris Turner Show. I'm joined today by Anthony Castrovince. Excited to talk to him, uh, MLB.com contributor with MLB Network and also uh, the author of a fan's guide to baseball analytics. Uh, again, excited to speak to him. First, a word from the sponsor, Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One, their third generation family business established in 1959, located on Main Street in beautiful historic downtown Westminster. They're the oldest floor covering store in Carroll County and one of Maryland's longest running flooring businesses. For all your flooring needs, think Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Anthony, how you doing? I'm well, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Uh, great to have you. Uh, big fan. Uh, just jump into it. The 21 season has begun. Uh, based on kind of general consensus that was out there, the prognostications you saw entering the season, uh, what team did you find yourself either uh, higher on or maybe question more than most? Uh, you know, one team that stood out to me here early on is the Angels are, are you know, playing pretty well. That There were a lot of uh, people high on them in spring training. I was not as high on them. Uh, I was a little curious about their pitching as, you know, I, I think is understandable. But, you know, they've played pretty well early on. There's some teams that have kind of, you know, stumbled out the gate. I, I picked the A's to win the AL West. I didn't really know what to do uh, with the AL West this year. It's kind of a uh, head scratcher for me, but you know the Astros have, have come out uh, on fire offensively, and Jordan Alvarez's return really yeah, changes that lineup a, a great deal. Um, even with the loss of George Springer, so they've looked great. And the A's obviously stumbled to an zero and six start, which is historically not great. So uh, those are some things that jump out to me. It's just kind of that dynamics uh, in the AL West in particular. Uh, looking at the East, the Yankees are favored by most. Uh, you know, really, is the American League favorite overall within the division? Who do you see as their primary challenger, uh, Toronto or Tampa? So I think it's Toronto, but I mean, there's no getting around the fact they had a rough spring training, and it's kind of ongoing. Where you know, I mentioned George Springer a moment ago, and he had the oblique injury in, in spring training, and then he's got the uh, uh, quad injury uh, as, as he tries to ramp that up. So um, so they're hurting, uh, and they took a lot of hits in, in their pitching staff that was already, you know, perhaps a, a little shaky on paper to begin with. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's the Yankees division to command, uh, if they play to their potential, obviously it's, it's been a, a ho-hum start for them. Um, the Rays are still good. You know, it, it's, it's easy to get swept up in the narrative of the Rays trading one of their best starting pitchers in Blake Snell, but they have so much pitching depth. They have, they have a lot of young arms and, um, there, there's still a lot to like there. So I, I don't put it past the Rays to challenge them. I, I, I still think it's, you know, maybe Toronto might be the stronger team if uh, their young pieces really start to come together as we started to see last year. But at the end of the day, the Yankees are clearly the most, you know, deep and talented team in the ALE. So there's, you know, there, there's really no reason why they shouldn't win it in the long run. 
With the uh, White Sox losing Eloy Jimenez, do you uh, think they still have enough to overtake the Twins in the Central, or do you uh, uh, favor Minnesota? I do think the White Sox still have enough. Uh, they've had a shaky start, uh, to put it lightly. <laughs> um, they're actually, um, perhaps their their record is better than it, it could be in light of, they've been a horrible defensive team. They've, they've made uh, all kinds of, of uh, unforced errors. And um, yeah, they're, quite frankly, Tony La Russa hasn't managed very well. I think he's even admitted that after a recent loss where, uh, you know, his bullpen usage is drawn a lot of scrutiny. Um, so yeah, they, they've shown some warts here early on and, and losing Eloy is, is a big deal, you know, for, for that lineup. I, I do ultimately still think they've got a ton of depth in their lineup as well. And, you know, you see what your mean Mercedes has done. Uh, he's been a real eye opener here in the early part of the season. So I, I think they can get there offensively. And I, I, I think they have a, a really strong pitching staff, but you know, Minnesota is, is a really good team and, and in some ways overlooked going into the year, despite being, you know, the back-to-back division winners, just because everyone always gets, you know, swept up in the bright, shiny object. And, and the White Sox were kind of that going into this season. But um, there's no denying the Eloy Jimenez injury. It changes. Perhaps it could have a big impact on the trajectory of the division. But, I, you know, if, if the White Sox can just kind of clean it up, uh, especially defensively, you know, I think that could be a really fun race. Going back to the AL West for a second, the Astros, I mean, their lineup probably remains the class of that division, but definitely an underwhelming rotation, especially with Verlander expected to be out all year. What's what's your take on uh, Houston? Yeah, and that's where that's where they kind of lost me uh, in, in terms of, you know, picking them to to go deep this year, just because I, I felt like last year, um, you know, they were able to rely on a lot of uh, a lot of young arms, you know, eight or nine rookies in the bullpen over the course of the year. Um, you know, Christian Javier and and uh, Fran Valdez, you know, those guys really stepped up for them in Verlander's absence. Um, but it's a different thing, 162 versus 60, you know. So uh, and, and and losing Valdez in spring training, you know, that that struck me as a really big deal. Now, to their credit, it hasn't mattered one iota here in the, you know, the very early portion of the season. But um, but I'm still concerned about them from a depth perspective. Uh, you know, and Forrest Whitley is, is one of their top prospects and he's out. Um, so there's another guy that you can't call upon this year. So it's, it's a little iffy for me, you know, with them on the pitching side, but you know, that lineup can bash and it's showing it again. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I know losing George Springer was a big deal for the leadoff spot and, and what he's meant to that club over the years. But, um, but again, getting Alvarez back and healthy has, has helped account for that. Moving to the uh, National League and starting with the East, uh, Phillies had a uh, strong uh, week one, but I yeah. believe the anticipation is the race will ultimately be Atlanta and the Mets. And, of course, the Marlins also reached postseason uh, last year, and uh, uh, they have some strong young talent. Uh, do you see that division top to bottom, maybe the strongest in the league? It certainly is. I mean, the Marlins are off to a rough start. Um and, you know, how much of last season was a product of kind of smoke and mirrors where they played really well in those seven inning doubleheaders. Um, so they kind of and, and the reason those seven inning doubleheaders existed was because of the Marlins outbreak with COVID. Um, and then they really capitalized upon it and were able to get the playoffs and do great things in the, in the first round of the playoffs. So that was fun to watch. But um, but in terms of, you know, a, a full season, you know, they they're, they're probably the weakest link in that division. Uh, the Nationals still have a lot to prove, and, and just in terms of their overall depth, they have some stars, of course. But, um, but yeah, I, 
you know, I, I don't put it past the Phillies to be in that race with, with the Mets and Braves. The Braves have had some problems here early on. Uh, you know, Mike Soroka comes back and he's dealing with some, some shoulder issues. Uh, so that's a big concern. You know, that that's a team I was pretty bullish on going into the year. But, you know, they haven't played particularly well early on. Their offense has revolved around Pablo Sandoval pinch hitting, which is not, uh, you know, probably not the way they drew it up. Uh, it should be one of the best offenses in the game. Um, so they're not playing to their potential. The, the, the Mets, you know, should be very good as well, but it's easy to, it's easy to overlook the Phillies going into the year just because their bullpen was so horrendous last season. It was easy to overlook that they had one of the better offenses in baseball, you know, and they have a really strong top of the rotation. Um, some questions about the depth of the rotation, but, um, with the bullpen looking a lot better here in the early going, you know, it it changes the outlook for that team a great deal. So I I don't know that they're necessarily going to hang around in first place all year, but it might be a, so that could be in a mix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get league average production from the bullpen. That's a yeah. tremendous, tremendous change. Uh, the NL Central, uh, not overly strong top to bottom, but it is interesting with everyone basically outside of Pittsburgh having a uh, plausible argument. Who do you like uh, right. best there? You know, that's interesting. I, I The Brewers are really, you know, kind of the analytic darlings there, uh, an underrated pitching staff, I think, um, and a lineup that, you know, you, you get a Christian Yelich turnaround and things start to look a lot different. Um, I picked the Cardinals, um, not just because of Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado deal, but I thought they had the most pitching depth, um, although that has been tested here early you know, with some some spring training injuries. Um, the Reds are playing great, you know, in this. And I, I didn't pick the Reds, but it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Reds, even without Trevor Bauer in their rotation anymore, um, that, that they hang in there just because they were so they underperformed underperformed offensively uh, to such a great degree in 2019 and 2020. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of stuck with it and they just trusted in their in, in what they have. And very early on here, <laughs> it has come to fruition. You know, they're they're pounding the ball. So uh, so that's fun to watch. And I, I think they've done a good job developing pitching uh, over the years, probably an underrated job there. So. Um, so yeah, that, you know, that's a total toss up. I'll probably still stick with the Cardinals, uh, as, as my pick here moving forward, but, um, uh, but the Reds are playing great here early on. Uh, the Padres are absolutely loaded, but potentially there's still some distance between them and LA. Uh, what's your primary question with San Diego? Primary question is, you know, Fernando Tatis's shoulder injury. I, I think they're kind of downplaying the severity of that, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, that's a game changer. And I, I even, even with Tatis and everybody in place, I still think the Padres are behind the Dodgers. I, you know, I, I love the narrative of this, this, you know, these two juggernauts doing it out in the NL West and the Padres might be the second best team in baseball, but you could be the second best team in baseball and still lose that division by five or six games because that's how good the Dodgers are. So, uh, you know, the Tatis injury, is a big deal if it if it does linger. You know they're 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 saying they could have him back in the minimum number of days and whatnot. But you know I, I want to see that happen. You know and I want to see him feeling good about where he's at with his swing and everything. And if he can continue to take violent swings without you know worrying about a recurrence of that injury. So um, so yeah, I, that that's my biggest question is is what's up with Tatis. Yeah, and speaking of the defending world champs, if you go back to 1990, so 30-year period. You know, where does this Dodger team rate for you? You've got the 90As at the end of their run, 92, or excuse me, A's at, at the end of their run, 92, 93 J's. You got the 90 Braves overall, late 90s, early 2000 Yankees, 
San Francisco, of course, had their three titles in five years, and then uh, and then it just it's a lot to pin on a team. But you know, the Yankees uh, in '98 they won 114 games. The Mariners won 116 and 01. I mean, could LA challenge either one of those win totals? And just you know, general thoughts: where, where does this Dodger team rank talent-wise compared to uh, some of the better teams we've seen over the last three decades? Well, in terms of pure win total, you know, they, they can challenge anything on the table, really, just because in large part because of their talent, but also because of their division, you know. So, I mean, you you got three real rebuilding clubs and, and the Giants, Rockies and D-backs there. Um, and, and, you know, maybe maybe the, the D-backs uh, might contend with the rebuilding status. But, you know, those are those are also ran kind of teams. So, um, so yeah, I, I think uh, the sky's the limit in terms of win total. Um, and in terms of actual talent, I mean, they're, they're just so well constructed for today's game and they, they have been for so long. That's why they've won as many division titles as they have. Um, I love what they did last year because last year was always going to be kind of wonky and fluky with the shortened season, but I don't think anybody had any qualms about the Dodgers winning at all because they were certainly talented enough to do it and they went out and did it. Um, and they can go out and do it again. Uh, their, their rotation depth is, is pretty silly. You know, it's, it's, I mean, there's. Uh, Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin and David Price. I mean, these guys would be towards the front end or middle of any other rotation in baseball, pretty much. So, and and for them, for the Dodgers, they're depth pieces. Um, and that that depth on top of depth that they have in the in the position player group in the pitching staff, you know, it's it's required, especially in a season like this, coming off the shortened season and now playing a full season. So they're as well equipped to handle the rigors of of what's a what's ahead as anybody in baseball. A couple uh, bigger uh, picture questions for you. So in 2014, there was uh, 4,186 total homers. In 19, the last full season, there was 6,776. Mm-hmm. Does launch angle and approach solely account for that change? Or what's uh, <laughs> in, 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 uh, what, what's your opinion there? Yeah, I mean, it's a, there, there is a lot of evolution baked into that, no doubt. And it's also the you know, the way, you know, pitching has evolved as well. Um, but there's also no denying the ball has been more jumpy uh, in recent years. And I don't know what to make of the quote unquote dead end ball or mush ball here for 2021. I think it's way too early to tell. I know I've seen some data that would suggest it's it's had an impact, but, you know, it's also April in the first couple of weeks of the season. You just kind of, I, I, I tend to dismiss, you know, the small samples this time of year, but um, so I don't know, it, it could have a, a very marginal impact in, in terms of home run production, but I will say in general, it'd be good to see the game get to uh, just a, a different style to where, um, first of all, you'd like to see just more contact in general, obviously, uh, more balls put in play and, and maybe more pitches in the zone to go with that. Um, if you can, if you can reduce the home run rate. Uh, maybe pitchers are more inclined to to try to be in the zone, you know, uh, and, and not as worried about the long ball. But um, the game is constantly going through these ebbs and flows. And I remember it wasn't long ago, you know, 2013, 2014, where we were talking about what was it going to take to get any run scored? You know, was it going to take to get any long balls? And now we have too many of them. So um, hopefully, hopefully the evolution can can now work its way towards just just more balls in play, more singles and doubles, um, maybe even some triples mixed in as well, because it's definitely gotten way too home run and strikeout oriented for my taste. 
Orioles assistant uh, GM Sigma Dell, he has uh, spoken about how the publicly available defensive metrics such as uh, defensive runs saved or uh, ultimate zone rating, they're not particularly useful given the shifting in the game. As the author of a fan's guide to baseball analytics, uh, maybe some thoughts on StatCast or what defensive metrics you currently value. Yeah, so you know, in the book, I, I highlighted uh, UZR and defensive run saved because when you when you take all the positions into account, that's that's pretty much the best we have. Um, but he's right. Um, you know, shifting has has changed the scope of things a great deal. And even since we published the book, you know, Statcast has made strides. We've since unveiled. I was able to sneak in a little bit about infield outs above average because that was a new addition last year. Um, previously, we just had outfield outs above average. Um, and, you know, eventually we'll have better data to assess catching defense. Um, that's that's still the greatest source of uh, upside, I guess, from advanced analytics is uh, is how to calculate defense. You know, it's the hardest thing to do. It's it's the it's the area where we've seen the most strides in the last decade or so. Um, and Statcast is a huge part of that because. You, know, you can account even for a guy playing out of position and and still you know find a, a good way to to relay how he's played how he's performed defensively. Um, so outs above average is a, is an increasingly I'd, I'd say important one, but you know it still has its limitations in that uh, catchers aren't included in that. Um, but that's that's kind of uh, you know have, having this Doppler data, uh, this high tech Doppler data from every ballpark. It's it's definitely changing uh, our our ability to to put a number to these things. In the uh, previous question about the homers, you were talking about, you know, basically this being the three true outcome error and yeah. uh, not particularly aesthetically pleasing. Uh, recent article at The Ringer, uh, Ben Lindbergh, the author, he suggested the mound is too close. Uh, and the primary argument was moving uh, by moving back, hitters will have more time to react and thus more balls will be put in play. Uh, helping to address again this three true outcome error. Just uh, maybe some thoughts there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a fascinating idea because we all know sixty feet six inches. Uh, I saw some some minor uproar about AAA going to a bigger uh, base this year, um, but I I don't think any of us off the top of our head knew the size of the base. <laughs> you know, I don't think we knew it's fifteen inches square. I, I had to learn that myself to write the story. Um, whereas sixty feet six inches, that's that's like you know holy ground uh, of baseball but um you know personally i'm i'm open to obscure ideas like that I, it, I i think the number one issue that comes to mind is is would it have an impact on pitchers health you know and we don't need more pitchers breaking down we need less of that uh we've studied this thing every which way and pitch count limitations and all this stuff and yet pitchers are still breaking down it's still a, a difficult job so i i would be concerned if you do move them back uh, and affect their mechanics, you know, what, what impact would that have injury wise? I have seen at least one study that, that suggested that it wouldn't have an impact, but you know, until you do it, it's hard to know. So that, that would just be my number one concern with that. I'm curious what you're hearing in terms of, uh, MLB's current desire for expansion and potentially radical realignment. Um, there seemed to be some growing push uh, a couple of years ago, and then it seems to have slowed just kind of curious anything you're hearing there yeah everything's tied to uh the a's and rays you know uh and their unsettled stadium situations kind of hang over that topic in a big way um there's so many interesting uh possibilities when you think about expansion um portland you know montreal 
uh, Nashville, Charlotte, uh, Vegas, you know, I, I, the list goes out of San Antonio. Um, a lot of fun ones to think about, but quite frankly, and until, until we know what the heck is going on with the A's and Rays and are they going to be the Montreal slash Tampa Bay Rays, you know, are, are the A's going to finally get a stadium built? Uh, until we answer those questions, I, I just don't think, uh, you know, expansion is, is a realistic topic. Um, and I think any radical realignment would probably be tied to expansion. You know, um, I don't think they're going to wake up tomorrow and, and, and suddenly redraw, you know, redraw districts, so to speak. Uh, but that's another really fun one because there are some things that you could do to just have the schedule make more sense. You know, um, it's, it's another it's a, another fun rainy day topic is, is to kind of draw up how how you would personally do it. But. Uh, but again, I, I think that is probably tied to expansion, which itself is tied to the eighth grade. Yeah, I absolutely feel like they go hand in hand. Uh, if you did have, as you mentioned, Portland and I think Montreal, uh, I think there's some things you could do in terms of if you wanted to have a radical realignment, you could have uh, geographically east and west and uh, maybe right. a, a two, four team or uh, leagues there. And that could be interesting. But uh, uh, that's a that's a larger move. I'm, I'm not sure that, but, you know, uh, we'll see whatever happens. It comes of, comes of that. Obviously, to, to your point, A's and Rays. I think that's uh, valid as well. And kind of starting there. Uh, going, we'll finish up a couple of questions here with the Orioles. So the minor league talent is increasing. Uh, yeah, for a first time. Ever, they're basically involved internationally. We've seen the recent plans uh, unveiled for their new facility in the Dominican. Uh, there's internal investment in analytics. Uh, the major league roster going forward has very limited payroll obligations. Um, you know, I'm going to ask you kind of your general thoughts on what is being built. Uh, I'm probably a little bit bullish more than others, but I, I see a, uh, you know, I, I, personally believe next year they'll, they're going to make a jump and be uh, around a 500 team and uh, possibly a little bit more. And I think in 23, they can actually be a, uh, a contender, uh, but just on a broader sense, just your thoughts on where the Orioles uh, are and what's being built. <laughs> well, you know, the half measures typically don't work out particularly well. And there, there's always, there's various ways to go about a rebuild. Um, and, you can't have a bunch of teams doing what the Orioles are doing at the same time because they're not all going to work. <laughs> You're just going to upset a lot of fan bases. But having said that, there is we have seen other teams go for the model of really, truly blowing things up and you know stripping down payroll to the bone. Uh, in the Orioles' case, uh, you know, getting rid of who was supposed to be their starting second baseman just before opening day. Um, you know, they, they've really gone the extreme route, to be to be honest with you. Um, and long term, there, there could be great value to that, because I see a lot of times where, where teams kind of take the half step and, you know, they they kind of plug in some you know, some very much league average, if that veteran players and they block young players and they just there's something to be said for just seeing what you have and then having this, this yeah. open canvas to just experiment, you know, for lack of a better term with, with your young talent. And, and the Orioles have that right now. Um, the, and, the and that could be valuable. Yeah. I'm sorry. But the, the frustrating part on my end for the Orioles in the 98 to 2011 era 
where uh, they were under 500 each season was they, they never actually rebuilt. Yeah. And they kept trying to put a team that if everything worked out, we right. potentially have a 500 <laughs> roster. And it was just yeah. like, can, can you actually go to the next step and take your roster down and, um, you know, evaluate who you need to evaluate internally? And then are they a piece? Or are they not? And then collectively be able to add up and build together. And obviously, the, you know, the biggest commodity in the game right now is, is uh, young talent under long-term team control that doesn't, it <laughs> doesn't cost much. It can, right, right. And how, how can you collectively build there? So I guess that kind of leads to my, my last question, which is uh, I'm curious, you know, Carlos Correa, Baez, uh, Corey Sager, Trevor Story, any of them going to uh, reach free agency or do you anticipate uh, uh, extensions uh, with their existing teams? I'm kind of thinking Correa and Story probably likely to reach free agency, yeah. but Baez probably not. And, uh, you know, your thoughts on uh, uh, Seager, I'm not really sure there. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think Seager is a strong possibility. The Dodgers have decisions to make. You know, I, who do you lock up long term? You can't keep them all. Uh, Bellinger and Seeger could be a, a really big uh, pivot point for them. Interesting decision-making process for them in terms of who's going to be there for the long term. So Seeger, quite frankly, seems inclined to test free agency, uh, as does Correa. And in all likelihood, Story, because I, I don't know how Story could feel comfortable locking arms with the Rockies long term. And there's kind of a natural fit for him uh, with the Rangers uh, this offseason. So, um, so I, you know, I, you could see them all reach free agency. I think the one who's probably most likely to sign with his club is Baez uh, with the Cubs. Yeah. They've, they've had many discussions about that over the years. But here we are, you know, into his free agent year, and it hasn't happened. So it could be that they all reach free agency. Yeah, and I know obviously the Orioles historically, we've, you know, they've never uh, bid at the top of the free agent market. But one of the benefits of actually building uh, this way is when you have – limited payroll obligations going forward you yeah you could invest in one piece that you're directly missing and uh, the Orioles shortstop prospects are in the lower minors uh and uh you you know you could potentially uh, uh go out for a guy we'll see if that winds up being a strategy but with multiple guys <laughs> potentially hitting the market it would be one uh, path certainly if the front office believes they have a core that they can uh, uh that's you know on the verge and something they can build but mm-hmm. something to watch or i'll be watching at least here in baltimore anthony i appreciate your uh, uh joining today and perspectives always uh, enjoy your work where can people find you on uh, twitter uh, they can find me at my last name, at Castro Vince, C-A-S-T-R-O-V-I-N-C-E. So thanks so much, Chris. I enjoyed it. No, great stuff, man. Thank you.